0: This is episode 95 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 95 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have Ryan DeLaurentis on the podcast. And Ryan is a very active real estate wholesaler out of southwestern Ontario. So he's located in London, Ontario. He was originally from the Toronto area, moved down there, and he got into wholesaling, which is where you basically find willing sellers off market, and then you also sell that property after tying it up under contract to another investor. Um, without ever actually closing on that property. So you basically just act as a middleman and take a fee. Ryan has turned that into a very well-organized business. And I always love having entrepreneurs on this show, not just real estate investors. And I really do consider real estate investors entrepreneurs. So I love to draw the parallels between the organization and the determination needed to be successful. So Ryan really demonstrates the growth mindset needed to be a successful real estate investor and to be a, a successful entrepreneur. And he demonstrates The systems and willingness to relinquish control of his business so that he can grow. It was a really insightful discussion. We got to talking about some of Ryan's real estate as well, but we primarily focused on his wholesaling business and what he does there and how he adds value. For those of you who are looking to find better deals, I strongly encourage that you find local wholesalers in the areas that you're targeting. These people will be able to present you with deals that are not on the MLS and hopefully present provide you with a deal at under market value. It doesn't always work out that way. So you do have to keep an eye on these wholesalers because not everybody's going to be selling a property at a discount. So make sure you're doing your numbers, make sure your deal meets your fundamental characteristics and criteria. And then of course, proceed with caution. Just before we get into the episode, I wanted to ask you to please take a moment right now and rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts if you have not already. If you're watching on YouTube, give it that thumbs up leave me a comment, let me know what you think, and make sure you're subscribed with the notifications turned on so that you can get notified every time I launch a new episode. If you haven't already, make sure you grab the cash flow sheet on my website. You can just go to andrew-hines.com. I often refer to numbers in this cash flow sheet on my episodes. So I go through, when I when I'm talking to an investor and I'm asking them about their numbers, I'm using this cash flow sheet. So if you want to be able to go through and reconstruct those numbers, by all means, feel free to grab that cash flow sheet. Without further ado, please enjoy episode 95 with Ryan DeLaurentis. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Ryan DeLaurentis on the show. Ryan, you're from London,
1: right? I'm actually originally from Toronto, but I am now living in London, yes, permanently. I noticed the 416 number. Yeah, okay. So uh, that answers <laughs> most my people question. Out, most people out here have the 226 number. Um, but uh, yeah, the original, the original OG number is the 416
0: nice nice so what brought you to london
1: well um our our real estate business Courtney and i were uh, working full-time jobs in toronto in uh right up until about 2018 um and then we had been investing a few years prior out this way in in london and kind of surrounding area doing uh, weekly trips back and forth (laughs) in our spare time away from our jobs. And we wanted to kind of build this up and get it going a little bit quicker. So, uh, we moved out here permanently in, I moved out here first without Courtney, um, in October of 2018 and she followed in December.
0: Okay. And, uh, what were you doing? So, I mean, I'll do an intro for this, but you're obviously hey. in the wholesaling business, uh, DCI properties. Um, you so you were an investor before. What was your what's your education? What's your background? What were you doing?
1: Yeah, good question. So, <clears throat> when we got started, um, we read Rich Dad Poor Dad, like most people do. Started going around to a lot of events. Joined Rain. Joined a couple other uh, the Right Club, a few other groups and we had a couple of single family houses and a duplex um and we quickly realized we wanted to jump into multifamily so we started doing that i actually started our, our own multifamily club in oakville uh it was short lived but um yeah and so we bought a, a few multifamily properties out here in london um and and we're kind of building our portfolio um through buy and holds um but we realized that We realized a couple things. One, a couple of the deals we had gotten, we did buy off market, a couple through a pocket listing and one was just a direct with seller off market purchase. And we were like, huh, this is actually a lot easier than going through the MLS and multiple offers and going through multiple realtors to actually work with the end seller. So that was our first realization. And then um, the second one is that if we wanted to potentially leave our jobs and make this more of a business, that we might be going uh, in the wrong order and potentially building more for passive when what we really wanted was a replacement of active income.
0: Okay. So you were replacing your active income. What, what kind of jobs were you working?
1: So I was, I've been in sales for 10 years. I was in insurance prior to, um, had my own insurance book of business. Um, And so that's, that's what I was doing full time. And Courtney was actually a seamstress. So she was making custom shoes for film, theater, and TV. Uh, we joke cause she, her, um, the shop that she was working for in Toronto actually made shoes for uh, fantastic Beasts and it won best costume in 2017, I think, um, at the Oscars. So unfortunately they didn't get any statue or any kind of like little award or anything, but, um, yeah, that's what she was doing. And so she was, she's been a seamstress. So this whole real estate thing, computers, all that is all brand new to her.
0: Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not the typical uh, path into this, (laughs) but, uh, so I guess it just started with really necessity. Like you guys were, you guys were going, going for some form of financial independence and then you found yourself, uh, doing the wholesale business or you kind of found your, your way into the wholesale business out of necessity to find better deals. Is that a fair, fair summary?
1: Better deals, and I think just a uh, an urge to want to grow my own business. I think I've always yeah. had an entrepreneurial spirit in in doing kind of side gigs and side hustles on the side of um, even having my my sales jobs in the past. So um, yeah, just just out of a real want to to kind of run our own our own ship, and uh, I think you know real estate and um, kind of finding off market deals and using some of that sales experience I had had in mm-hmm. the past gave us a, a pretty good opportunity to do that.
0: Okay. So you mentioned active income, obviously wholesaling, you're you're finding deals off market and selling them in your own little private off market uh, email list. Yeah, Uh, So you've created your own market there. Are you still building uh, an an investment portfolio? Yes. uh,
1: But it's not at the forefront right now of our time. So Again, I think what I realize, and, and I think what it takes people a, a little bit to realize is that they get into real estate wanting to own a few rental properties and, and fully believe that that will allow them to leave their job and, and um, not wanting to crush hopes of people that are listening, but I think that's a really tough journey because I think it's being built in the, in, in the wrong order or, or in the reverse yeah. Um so you know owning rental properties that are going to cash flow a couple hundred bucks a door and appreciate is fantastic for ten, twenty years from now. But in wanting to leave, you know, a current job that you may not enjoy and be in real estate full time, I think the focus has to be on active income.
0: And I, I agree with you. It's very rare that somebody can quit their job, you know, within a five-year time horizon unless they're, they're going at it very aggressively. Like Kellen Panicci, I just had him on the show. He's an example of somebody within three years, he got laid off from his job and didn't care. But he was he was investing in a very high cash flow type of property. For most people, especially in London now, which is your, your center of business, but of course you, you branch out from there, you've mentioned that to me, uh, most Southern Ontario markets, cash flow that's meaningful is, is going to take some time agreed because yeah you're getting into properties and there's like you know what two three hundred thousand or sorry two three hundred dollars of cash flow if you're doing well on something you're buying in the four to five hundred thousand dollar range um but maybe there's better opportunities with you the wholesaler so uh enlighten me you know tell tell me a bit about what you do uh, as a wholesaler in your business and what you're offering to people and then we'll dig into uh, a little bit more about your your portfolio after that
1: Sure. I just wanted to jump back on one thing you mentioned just in referencing, uh, Kellen. And I think it's something that a lot of people struggle with. I actually talk to people about this quite a bit is they, they have their brain split and it's almost like having schizophrenia in a way where part of you is geared towards a job where you work potentially for someone else and you have different bosses and managers and agendas And that's where you occupy, say 60, 70% of your time. And the other, you know, 30, 40% of your time and mindset is geared towards this real estate thing or this venture and operating there myself for a very long period of time, knowing that the insurance jobs and the sales jobs I was doing is not what I ultimately wanted does create a lot of stress, anxiety on its own. Um, And it wasn't until I really cut ties with that business entirely, that our business here really started to take off. So the only kind of um, advice or encouragement I would give is if you're 100% sure that what you're doing now is not what you want to do, our systems and our culture and society is set up in a way so that it's very, very hard for you to actually fully fail and go bankrupt. So if you have someone that you could potentially stay with, or you have some kind of support system, or you even have a rental property that you could sell and live off of for a bit, Courtney and I took our first property that we ever bought and did a reverse joint venture where we brought in money for a share of equity after the fact, so we could leave our jobs and start this business. And so I think, you know, it, in thinking about your mind and the time and thoughts and the space um, that those thoughts occupy, it, it is very freeing to focus on one thing rather than always having your time split on two things.
0: I agree with you completely. Focus on something you enjoy that's profitable, and good things will come. Yeah,
1: yeah. Now so you're enjoying this. It, it is hard then. to do. It is hard to do, and I don't yeah, want to, you know, recommend that people, you know, run out tomorrow and quit their jobs. But it is definitely something to think about. And so I'm going to really examine yeah. if, if you're not happy where you are, um, how much further ahead could you get being in an industry or being in, a, in another type of role or um, just in a different um, mindset altogether by, by being focused more on what you actually want to do?
0: I absolutely um, agree with that. I mean, I've I've hit a few breaking points myself where I was doing things I really didn't want to do, and I was much more aggressive on my transitions to you know burn every bridge behind me. Not that I'm recommending that, because I think that there's a time and a place, and it and it comes right. down to a person's personality. for For not everybody will that be correct, but uh, but uh, you know, it depends on your circumstance. For me, for sure, when I dove into real estate and really made it you know, my, my primary occupation, it was, uh, it was like, I had no other option at the time. It was like do or die. And, uh, Hey, that's a good motivator.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like it.
0: Yeah. So give, give us some context. I mean, as far as wholesalers go, I know, Luke Boren's a, a big one, but I feel like you're probably equivalent in size or, uh, or, or getting there in terms of, uh, Ontario wholesalers and, and the volume you do. Do you have any sort of gauge on that?
1: Yeah, I do. Uh, <laughs> Luke and I are, are pretty close friends. We talk, uh, almost daily, um, and, uh, help each other quite a bit. Um, uh, and he's helped us quite a bit in, in growing out our business, but, um, Yeah, currently to date um, for 2020, we're on pace to do about 100 deals this year, Uh, maybe just shy of that. Um, So we currently cover Southwest Ontario. Uh, We recently expanded out into Calgary, Alberta uh, with a new rep there. Um, And yeah, there's currently 14 people on the team. Okay. Okay and And that
0: 's something I want to dig into a little bit as well your team building how you 've done that, um, you know what 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 's working for you what 's not because I think you know some some of our listener bases at that point, including myself, where building a team around me is is pr- one of my top priorities, building people who can help me and kind of get rid of some of the things that i 'm not good at or don't don 't have the passion for in my day to day operation. Um, so we'll, we'll come to that unless you have a few comments you want to say right now in terms of best practices there and what's, what you see as working.
1: Yeah, no, uh, it's a really good question. Um, and I think as investors and people in real estate, we're often looking proper at properties and things that we can tangibly put our money into that are going to have a return. And I would say for me, um, and it's funny because Ch- Sarah, Sarah Larby and I were just chatting about this the other day because her pos- podcast is called Where Should I Invest? Mm-hmm. And I firmly believe that in your own head and in other people are the two best places to invest above any property. I think that investing in the right people that can surround you and help build your vision of where you want to go is going to return 10x what any individual property would. So give me an example so when we started when Courtney and I started the first person that we brought onto our team uh, was a guy named Ryan Parker and um, at the time Courtney and I didn't have any experience with HR we didn't have any experience with operations we didn't really know how to put a budget together um, to operate our business Um, we weren't very good on marketing Um, and so these were all things that we realized that we didn't know well I knew sales Um, I had the vision we had some money set aside that we could actually start growing, but there were, as we were getting going, we realized that there were things that we just didn't know how to do. And it was a really big risk because at the time I I was just on the verge of leaving my job. Courtney had already left hers. We had just moved to this new city. Um, and now we were looking at potentially now having to be responsible for another person. Um, but we made the jump, we found Ryan, um, and he's been instrumental in helping us grow out our business ever since. So what, what's his skill set
0: and how does that complement?
1: So his, his uh, skill sets uh, primarily as it, as it is in the day-to-day now. Now, the other thing I will say is um, some of your early people are probably going to evolve they're probably going to be a jack of all trades at the start and start to really niche in on where, where they're comfortable as, as your company grows or as you grow. So right now I would say his best skill sets are in helping us budget and plan almost like as a controller or CFO um, of our money and what we're investing in and continuing to help me look forward um, by being my eyes and ears on um, just providing a, um, another source of, you know, feedback or where I might not be um looking uh he's helped us in hr when it comes to interviewing and onboarding new people and again just being a second set of eyes and seeing things from a different lens or perspective Um, and he's been very good on helping us uh, strategically build out a marketing plan that helps us source and acquire good deals
0: are there any other key positions that have kind of come after him that have really really worked for you and and really helped you grow to the next next level
1: Yeah. So there's I would say there's probably two or three. And, you know, everyone on our team right now, I'm I'm super pumped about. And obviously I think, you know, most people think that (laughs) their teams are the best, but I I truly think that that ours is, and we have some awesome people on here. But one of the hardest things for me to give up being the salesperson was the 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 day-to-day deals themselves and um, going out on the appointments and meeting with sellers and being that face of the company. And so I met a girl named Bertha. Um, at an event actually here in London, which again, just speaks to, you know, the importance of, of how you can connect and meet people through these types of events. And at the time, I was looking for someone to help in an admin role. And she put up her hand, we were sitting at the same table. Um, I did a pitch and we ended up chatting that evening. She came in for a quick interview. And after she left, I said to Courtney and Parker, she can't, She she can't just do admin. She's too talented, too bright, and she almost didn't realize her own potential. And so I kind of took under my wing um, for the next three, four months to um, train her on how to replace me on acquisitions. She was pumped about real estate, wanted to do more, wanted to learn, and just came with a very open mind. Of I want to learn this inside and out, and I have a feeling like I can be really good at it. And so that, in combination, just with her previous skill set and drive, um, she's now taken over fully on our day-to-day deals. And I firmly believe she's one of the best people in her job um, in the country. Um, and and I think that that's a kudos to her for putting in the time and being willing and open to learn.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I I, I have a similar philosophy. I really do think it's about attitude and willingness to learn. More so than what a person knows these days.
1: It's 100% on attitude. And you'll, I mean, you'll see a lot of people will um, hire for skill and fire for attitude.
0: Yeah. Now, the one thing is with, with admin, um, you know, it's funny. I went to university, one of the country's best business schools, but actually have a very opposite opinion. Like I, I'm much more interested in somebody who's done you know, gone out and done something, has an attitude and is willing to learn than somebody who who's super polished because book smarts and street smarts seem to be different things. For One sure. has they're not learned together in school these days, no. unfortunately. No. Yeah. So it's uh it's it's cool to see that perspective. I mean I've been pretty open. i I've, so I've got my ads out for admin, but I've never hired an admin. I have my construction team on the ground. Um, but, uh, for me, relinquishing control, you talk about not, not being the sales guy for me, not being the guy in control of every aspect of my inner business is, uh, is a challenging thing to get over. Any, any tips on that one?
1: Figure out what you're really good at and where your skill sets are and really try and get your mind around being able to bring in someone that's potentially can do it just as well, if not better it's, it's so freeing to be able to delegate and have someone take things off your plate to free that mind space, to focus on the things that Andrew is good at. And I know it's an easy thing to say, but it's a tough thing to actually do in practice. So start small, start with, you know, maybe you bring on somebody part-time to just test the waters and see how it goes. Um, but Choose things that you really don't enjoy doing and that take, you know, I have a sheet and I can share it with you. It's something called drainers and drivers. It's a very simple sheet. One side of the page has drivers. So things that actually drive you, motivate you, give you energy you enjoy doing. And the other side is drainers, things that drain your energy you don't enjoy doing and disrupt your day as things Mm -hmm. you don't look forward to. Try and get someone to handle as many of those drainers as possible.
0: Yeah. I'd love to see that sheet. And, uh, because I feel for me personally, I feel my, my level of productivity could be even just at a personal level, even not as a team up here, but I'm sort of down here because of, to a certain degree, um, just feeling a little bogged down in some of those drainers that you've talked about, just those things that I just really don't like doing anymore. I mean, there might've been a time where I liked them, but now I'm not enjoying it. And that's where I think that's the the key sign. It's time to grow. It's time
1: to, uh, not only that me. if you can find somebody who their driver is doing those tasks
0: right that's exactly the thing right complementary uh interests that are that are different um so we had a couple of things we, you, we were emailing and you you had mentioned a couple of questions and things that you would uh, like to go over I mean, for one thing in your uh, your investing strategy one of the things i found really interesting is you mentioned to me you wanted to move away from multifamilies when just about everybody and their dog wants to go <laughs> into multifamilies.
1: Yes. Tell me more. Um, well, in starting out in multifamily, we went small because that's all we could afford. And that's really all that we could honestly, I think our bandwidth in terms of mental space could handle. So our multifamilies were in the 6 to 12 unit range. And I think what we realized is that they bring with them, especially in that size, I would say probably under um, 30 units where you don't necessarily have an on site super. Even if you have a property manager, they bring with them a lot of challenges. There's a lot of tenant turnover. Uh, there can be a lot of damage to the property. Uh, depending on the location and area it's in, uh, you can have people breaking in. In the same week, we had someone break in to our laundry machines and ruin one of them and then spray paint, um, a bunch of swastikas and different things all over the apartment, all over the apartment that had to then be painted fully. So as much as, as good of a property manager as you can have, that does help save time on some of those things. You're still going to get those calls when those things come up. And if you're paying a property manager to potentially help turn over your units, there's a lot of money potentially going out the door every time there's a tenant turnover, which again, in those smaller apartment buildings, there seem to be. And it's, it's, I just find that at that size of like the six to 20 units, it's not scalable enough. And so for us, I think what we realized is that for what we wanted in our passive portfolio, we wanted passive tenants, tenants that could be self-sufficient, and, you know, instead of getting a call about someone breaking into the building and stealing laundry money and breaking the machine, we now get calls from tenants about putting a garden in the backyard.
0: And that, that's definitely nice. And I, I know what you're talking about. So you're saying single families, they are people that just want to make a home out of it. Different type of tenant than the ones that are renting a one or a two bed in a, an apartment building
1: yeah and the asset class is more liquid there's more opportunities to buy them at prices that make sense and can cash flow well Multifamily is just uh it's a rare um it's a rarer asset class i think there's a lot more people um in that space now so it becomes a little bit harder to find good deals um the sellers that you're working with are often more sophisticated so it can be a little bit more challenging to negotiate um And again, overall, depending on what you want that property for and what you want it to achieve for us, we just realized that single family achieves the wealth building that we want through the appreciation mortgage pay down um, with less hassle and headaches on with having better quality tenants.
0: Okay. And I could see that, but I... would you agree that there, is, there, is some, there, is, there are several variables there in terms of the age of the building you're looking at if you're looking at Maltese sure. uh, and the quality of finishes? It may, it may attract an A-type tenant. 100%. In which, which case, that
1: could be a lot more hands-off. I mean, I'll mean, caveat that by saying our, the, the couple of apartment buildings we've had have actually been our best deals uh, in terms of what we've actually made off of them. We just sold them because we didn't want the headache anymore. And because we now had another um, business or, or a different revenue channel that was uh, replacing the active income uh, that we potentially wanted from having those apartment buildings to begin with. So, again, my, my feedback is just, you know, um, really try and take time to understand what it is you want and what you want from them. I think a lot of people chase the multifamily as this vision or, or idea that it's going to give you something that you don't have now. Um, be careful what you wish for, because I think we found out that as much as we wanted the extra cash flow from multifamily, it also came with extra headaches.
0: Well, yeah, I'll definitely say that with lower asset classes on the single family homes too, um, the cash flow can appear great and actually isn't, if, especially if you've got a, a rundown building, which I've had uh, you know wonky floors up and down, not done structurally right, um, you just it attracts a poorer tenant who's going to be a more work, going to leave the place in worse shape, and then more things break all the time. It is enough to make somebody who invested in real estate, not want to invest in real estate. Yeah. I've, I've been there. First property I ever bought, you know, I would never buy that. I mean, sure. I would buy it if it was cheap enough and then just, you know, tear it down or something, but I would never buy a property like that at this point. That's just not what I would, would want in my portfolio. So on that note, what's your portfolio look like right now? So you said mostly, uh, single families, what ballpark, how many houses are we talking about?
1: Actually, it's not that many. It's really, it's, uh, about eight or 10 right now. Um, and we're slowly growing that, um, because we're much more focused on growing the business and our mm-hmm. active income right now. So for me, um, for, for our vision right now is to, um, keep growing our wholesale business and our team here. We're adding a couple new divisions of the company um, this year. And in the future, as we start to collect more of that active cash, we will then look for uh, passive places to put it. And in the meantime, if we pick up a couple houses here and there, perfect. That fit our criteria that we want to own. But our focus right now isn't on um, the passive game. If gotcha. That
0: yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely it does. And you know, I've had my attention very similarly on my active business. Haven't really been as focused on acquiring deals. Um, I, go in, I go in phases though. So I'll do active for a while and then I'll switch back. I mean, for me, it's, it's hard to give up building something for the future. I, I'm most satisfied by building something for the future. But you're also building something for the future in your active business um, in terms of what it can do and what it can continue to generate. So that's really cool. Um, plus you're going to find some good deals in your business.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I mean that, that, yeah, we do. And, um, again, I think that the difference, which I've actually really had to shift my mind around cause I, I'm on, um, Facebook and I'm on different things and I see people adding properties or portfolio. And sometimes I get that, you know, uh, fear of missing out, mm-hmm. but I, I, I st- try and stay grounded and reminding myself that I am investing. I'm just investing in a different Class or a different business. So rather than investing in properties right now, I'm more interested and more active in investing in the business and growing the business and growing different divisions of the business. And those will generate cash flow and have equity in the future. So the premise and the principles are still there. I think that the business and businesses can potentially generate more cash flow than could, you know, say, an individual property. So that's where my focus oh, yeah. and attention on, and that's why you know I'm so heavily. Um geared towards investing in people and investing in learning and education and um you know my my own um you know development and uh my people's development so um yeah
0: that's awesome and i I really think that that's valuable you know again i 'm doing very similar thing right now um it, it's something like you said it's gonna these are skills the things you 've learned the team you 've built. If if that was ever taken away from you, you'd be able to to rebuild it so much faster the second sure. time. It's like Donald Trump after you know he went bankrupt the first time. How quickly you rebound when when something goes bad the first time you you can you can pull it all back together. Like I think that's um, infinitely valuable for a lifetime. Like I know real estate wise, I could redo what I've done to date, um, provided the same circumstances, so much more efficiently. So. Why don't we talk a little bit, like some people here who are new aren't going to know what wholesaling is. So can you just give a run through of what it is that you do in your business, um, how you're providing value to people, and then maybe we can go through uh, an example of a deal that you've sold to somebody and and how they've won.
1: Sure. So um, I'll first go through the seller side and kind of give you our value prop there. And then I'll go through the buyer side so we can kind of take the deal from kind of start to finish. Mm-hmm. So, on the seller side, we market direct to sellers um, as wholesalers um, looking to buy pro- properties privately without real estate agents. Um, and um, a lot of our sellers are just looking for ease and convenience and potentially just an alternative option that doesn't necessarily mean that they have to open their house to showings and um, having a bunch of people come through. And, um, you know, sometimes there's negative stigmas and, you know, previous. Feelings that they've had with realtors that just makes our value proposition more appealing to them. So um, our marketing goes out in a variety of different ways. Um, you know, We do some postcards, we do some online stuff um, and uh, yeah, some, some different outbound stuff that we do now and uh, sellers reach out to us directly. We then work with them, uh, set in time to come out and check out the house. Uh, get the property under contract on a standard of purchase and sale agreement. And then we look to see what price we got the property under contract for. And would this still be a deal to an investor if we then assign that contract um, for a profit to somebody else? So that's where our buyers come in on people who are looking for these off market type of properties we then add a wholesale fee or an assignment fee on top of our original purchase price and then send that out to our buyer's list to see if there's any interest in this type of property that we've gotten under contract. So the seller benefits because they're getting um, a better frame deal with better terms from us. Um, and for a lot of people out there, I think there's a there's a mental hurdle on why would someone sell their property for less? And I think people forget that In any trade, there is time, money, and energy. And depending on your stage in life and what's important to you, uh, you might be in need or willing to trade one of those for the other two um, or or vice versa. So um, for a lot of our sellers, they have equity in their property that they're willing to trade for less time or just less stress and energy that a typical sale might bring. And so for them, they see value in kind of going through that process with us and just knowing that, you know, we were very upfront and let them know that um, they could make more money listing it on the MLS and potentially working with a realtor. But for them, that's not the ultimate goal. And again, it's a very small segment of the population that feels that way, but um, we have a lot of five-star testimonials that we get from the sellers we work with. So just be open and mindful that yes, people potentially are willing to take less. Um, but you have to offer them something of value to trade. And so for us, we're offering less stress, less energy, and potentially less time and better terms for a trade on money. So that's on the seller side.
0: That's so critical. I, my mom was just looking for a house and she actually just bought one in uh, in the uh, Dorchester area. And okay. I kept telling her, and, and I was watching your listings. I just didn't see anything coming out okay. there. But uh, I kept telling her, I'm like, mom, I think you should do some off-market marketing, you know, door knock, flyers, whatever. Like, let's, let's get you an off-market property. She just could not get past it. She's like, well, no, no one's going to sell me their property for less. Like, why would they do that? They could just go on the market. I'm like, you don't realize, like, some people just can't stand the thought of somebody coming through their house. For They're sure. embarrassed. Like, I actually bought one off-market from a lady who just, her house was was spick and span. It was just old, and she was so embarrassed. Like she wouldn't even let me in. She's like, "Oh, can you come back?" And like I could see, like there was just like it was so tidy compared to like even my house most days. But yeah. if some people just it's it's the way they feel, and to to paint everybody with the same brush and and to act like everybody cares about getting top dollar just because the person making that judgment feels that way. Uh, that just doesn't make sense, and I and I agree with you. That's something that's so hard for people to get past.
1: Um, it is, and I and I think I've realized too that value is all perception. You and I, Andrew, could go out today and look at the exact same house, both walk through it, and I think it's worth four hundred, and you think it's worth three. Who's right? Mm-hmm. Well, and the other thing
0: is, if they're happy with three, <laughs> rock and roll, right? If they say that's what they want, and so a couple of things I like what you said there. Uh, one, I think gold nugget, time, money, and energy are the the things that go into any trade. I think that's, I've never heard that said before, but it makes total sense um, right there with you and being upfront. So yeah, the other one was being upfront with people. Stop. Don't, sure. don't tell them that that you're going to give them the most money they could possibly get. No, not at and, all. Any conversation I've had with people off market, I've always been very upfront. I've said, look, like, that's not, I'm not the guy that's going to come give you the most money, um, but I am the guy that could potentially make your life easier, you know, help, help make this transition better for you and you know, don't show your house to a million people kind of thing. So,
1: And um, people know that. Yeah. So I think being upfront with them just demonstrates that you are an honest company and you're not mm-hmm. trying to pull the wool over their eyes. And I think they appreciate that. And it makes them like you even more.
0: Yeah, because you're you're willing to tell them something that most people wouldn't. Exactly. <laughs> you could even say, "Yeah, I probably shouldn't say this, but you'll definitely get more <laughs> if you list."
1: That's right. Um, no, we're we're very upfront and honest. Yeah. And again, I think it uh, encourages yeah. people to say, "You know what? This is a good company. I want to work with them." And generally speaking, people just want to work with people they know, like, and trust. And yeah. if you can build that trust by being honest and upfront, um, I think it goes it goes a long way in in any transaction, whether that's with a seller or a buyer um, you know, in, in anything.
0: Yeah, exactly. Don't blow smoke on people because they can tell, even if consciously they don't know the subconscious level, they'll feel off about you. It's just not worth it. Um, I just think integrity is the most important thing we've got in business today. So yep, I um, agree. that's, uh, that's super critical. Do you brand differently from DCI properties for your buyers? Do you have a separate brand or sorry for your sellers? Like, do you have a separate brand f- for you as the home buyer? or are no, you DCI we don't that's a
1: no we don't that's a good question um <laughs> It might actually be something we should consider, but uh no, we generally operate under the same umbrella um and a couple of the new uh divisions that we're building out are still probably going to be under the same sort of branding um and d c i properties kind of parent company, but no we haven't it's it's been kind of all under the same branding i think um um we don't necessarily have a separate Actually, Jason might have built a separate landing page for our buyers uh, when they when they click um, to kind of join our list. So I think that does exist. See, again, I'm not really in the day to day. I love it, of, man. That's great. That I don't actually know. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I, I, I think we we brand out of the same name, but there might be different landing pages depending yeah. if you're a buyer or seller. And that
0: would make sense. Yeah. Cause there's going to be a different process if depending That's on right. which page they landed on, how you try and reach that person again, uh, on the different platforms. So, so you've got a, probably a, a team that handles the digital side of things and, and yeah. the email side of things. So what are you doing on the daily basis?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, my, my primary focus, and I think where I bring the most value is in trying to plan for the future and set up better Relationships that can build us long term and look for um, opportunities for education that I can bring back with the team um, looking for um, potential areas where we might be um, inefficient or not operating at, you know, our our, um, best capabilities with the resources we have. So I'm constantly thinking about what do we have an abundance of whether it's, um, you know, human resources, capital knowledge network and how can i tap into those and help us grow even further Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of where i spend uh most of my time getting updates from the team on where certain things are and where they need help um and then um yeah Hey guys, I just wanted to take a moment and give a shout out to a couple of
0: very important local businesses to me As you know, this lockdown has been tough on everyone and small businesses have been taking the brunt of it So there's two specific businesses. I wanted to give a shout out to this is a completely unpaid promotion They didn't ask me to do this But I wanted to give them a shout out because I think they're really important and I want to see them be successful uh, so one is New York, New York Men's Grooming Lounge here in Burlington, Ontario. I always see Sergio every month. Uh, they do a fantastic job. Their atmosphere there is fantastic. There's usually some Frank Sinatra playing in the background. Um, they're a great establishment even if you just want to go in and have an espresso or have a beer and chat. It really is a lounge and social uh, location which is just such a unique concept in today's market. Really like those guys. I really want to see them succeed. If you're looking for a fantastic men's haircut and grooming experience, I highly recommend them. The next one I wanted to give a shout out to is Dr. Mike White over at the Momentum Health Clinic in Hamilton. Dr. Mike has been able to help me many times over the years when I've hurt my back. He's a chiropractor, uh, so I'd be in a position where I couldn't even walk, I couldn't turn. Uh, I was in an agonizing pain and I'd go to Dr. Mike and usually I'm 100% better within a week. Now, I know it's a touchy thing with a medical service, so always, always, always consult with your medical professional before seeking any form of treatment. I just wanted to let you know my experience here and I certainly think Mike White is worth considering. I've included the details for both of these contacts in my show notes. Please show them support if you see fit. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I feel the same way. I'm very much bigger picture thinking. I always want to be thinking bigger picture. How do I, how do I grow bigger, better? I don't like the transactional. I love being creative. Like I like doing a deal somebody gives me an engineering problem sort of on a house like, Hey, we've got this house and we're trying to do this. How are we going to do that? Like I like working with the engineer and and crafting the deal, but once I get bored, I want somebody else to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going to be the guy hanging the drywall in the house or anything like that. But um, yeah, so i'm i'm looking ahead personally like hey what's the next project is it a development you know what am i going to do i i balance you know the active business where versus building building towards the future as you're doing too you know you're at you're at uh you said eight to ten properties so um why don't we uh why don't we go through a, an example here just before we get off the topic of of wholesaling can sure. you give me an example of a deal that uh that's been a win for you and a win for the person uh that you sold it to and we just maybe go through some of those numbers like just in back of the envelope it doesn't ha- you don't have to have specific numbers but just
1: roughly yeah so we would potentially get a property under contract in London say for you know 280,000 okay. and then we would assess it figure out what numbers work for a flip versus a buy and hold for an okay. investor we would send that property out to our buyer's list for say 300,000. Um, walk a couple of our buyers through and, um, if a couple of them, uh, liked it, then, you know, we potentially get an an offer and, um, you know, on that property, we would say make um, $20,000 and without actually closing on it. So, um, at the time of closing the buyer would pay our lawyer, the assignment fee and they would proceed to close, uh, for that original two eighty with the seller and their lawyer,
0: right, so an important thing for for buyers to know is that they're going to have to pay that twenty k they can 't finance that so the, the the purchase is still two eighty they're going to have to pay the twenty k out of pocket and far to doing business, build it into your deal. What could you get where the seller would be the buyer would be buying something for three hundred thousand from you what what kind of property in london could could be had for that uh um, detached yeah. Okay.
1: It, it, it varies a lot and, um, not to be ambiguous, but yeah, no, it, uh, we just sent one out today. I think, um, that was in St. Thomas and I think that was for 360 or 365. I think it's a pretty good deal. I think, you know, personally I'd probably be willing to pay up to 380 for it. So I still think our buyers are potentially going to get a good deal on it. So, um, yeah but it really varies we don't necessarily target specific areas or price points it's more so just is there value there and will our buyers or investors see Mm -hmm. value in that property so how how
0: much under market value are you typically trying to get it for your buyers like what do you what do you aim to be able to give it to your buyers for how much yeah that's that's
1: a really good question and i think that's been a hard thing to answer and um not trying to not answer the question but Because there are so many different types of buyers and so many people looking for different types of properties with different strategies, it's hard for us to determine what you're willing to pay when we don't know how you're going to approach that property. Mm -hmm. You may want to do a live and flip on all of your flips and do a lot of the work yourselves. If that's the case, you may be willing to pay a bit more than someone who is hiring on a GC or, you know, bringing on a bunch of contractors to do the work. Um, you know, you could be someone who really focuses on finding properties in very specific areas where you see the appreciation, you know, in double digits and might be willing to pay a bit more than someone who's looking for, you know, a hundred percent bird to get all their money out. Right. So I think we try and just put deals out that we feel like are a good value to our buyers and let them determine where that price ends up and what they're willing to pay based on the strategy.
0: Gotcha. So for example, and that does make sense. I get it. Like you want to maximize profit for your business, make, create a win, win. It's just a question of who that win, win is with. It's going to be the person, if the person's willing to live in it and rent out themselves and they get the property for 10 grand under what it might go. Otherwise, maybe that's it. Maybe it's just that they couldn't find a property and that one happened to suit. So I get it. So, so with that one today, I think you said it was 365. I think I saw that email. Um, what uh, what do you figure that one? If you had to ballpark it, is is worth on the market?
1: Uh, there was a similar property that I think Jason was showing me that sold without a garage uh, for four hundred five in October. So, okay. I mean, I think you could very easily clean that property out, maybe paint it, and list it for three ninety nine, and probably get four twenty. Okay. Um, and I think finished it would probably be somewhere closer to four fifty, four sixty, if you put in the twenty thirty k that it needs. So, um, I'm a big proponent in flips of <laughs> our model previously because we've done quite a few of them. It's just mm-hmm. been uh, n- not. Am I allowed to swear on here? Yeah, you could swear. <laughs> <laughs> not not super. Pretty. So <laughs> yeah. I'm always of the mindset that you get your biggest buyer pool at the cheapest price point. And some of those buyers may actually help you push the price up. So I think sometimes people are looking to do a huge, you know, bell and whistles reno when just enough will do. Uh, mm-hmm. Just mortgageable is actually what we, we aim for uh, so that the new buyer coming in can qualify on a mortgage, but potentially put their own spin on the finishes they want to do.
0: In fairness, though, the, the house you sent out today, nice brick structure, that's mortgageable. I mean, for sure it is mortgageable. You got to have finished kitchen, finished bathrooms. You can't have, you know, giant hunks of drywall and vapor barrier ripped that's open. Right. But uh, yeah, so I get I, I mean, from what I'm taking, you're, you're saying kitchens and bathrooms do a tidy up. You don't have to go crazy. Just tidy no. it up. If, if your floor needs to be replaced, replace it with something basic. And and that's good enough. Yeah. a coat of paint. And uh, usually that'll, that'll do the trick. That's the lipstick yeah. run.
1: All right. That's right. And you let the market, you'll just let the market carry it sometimes. Yeah. Uh, if you are, if you are into a lot of flips and you'll yeah. be surprised that, you know, retail buyers just want to own a home.
0: So and, let's, yeah. let's say hypothetically that one just sold for 365. We'll do a, a hypothetical what that might okay. make. Um, so you're, you have your assignment already in there. So the buyer buys it. Uh, they might say go through that reno and you said maybe invest 30,000
1: on a high end. I think that's what they could do. Um, so if you want to go that route, sure. Again, I yeah. think you could get away with a 5k reno, but, uh,
0: um, okay. 5k uh, let's do that. Okay. So, you, I, so what would you do in the 5k then? Like, hypothetically,
1: I would do junk removal and paint.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cause that house is filled with, with junk. So just, just tidy it up, paint it up, make it not smell bad if it smells bad. And, yeah. uh, and then so seven
1: if you want to be ultra conservative, but okay. I'll put seven yeah. in there. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. So seven there. And then uh so your buy and improve is equal to about three seventy two. And what do you figure you could list it for at that point?
1: 399.
0: 399?
1: That's going to encourage the most amount of traffic in that area for yeah. people coming through.
0: Okay. So then sale is going to be probably you could take it 420.
1: 420, yeah
0: yeah so in that case, they're gonna have a realtor fee with uh what do you figure they'd pay three three and a half percent or yeah three and a half four percent okay, so times we'll say four to be conservative, so you got sixteen thousand um on that, so say you sold for four twenty, you're going to be four twenty uh minus three seventy two minus the sixteen eight so could potentially have thirty one thousand dollars in profit there. Uh, just for doing a quick flip, like just quickly yeah. coming, of course there 's going to be a, you know, legal fees and interest there too, so you know maybe hack off another five, so maybe twenty five sure. grand that 's not bad for a quick clean out and list though not at all yeah, so there 's an example, and I just wanted to go through that because like, to show an example of how wholesaling sure. can be a real win win for you know you win you get an assignment fee, buyer wins they get uh, they get something as well.
1: And the seller wins because on this deal, they uh, they had a really tight timeline of when they wanted to be out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, they, they win too. They get the price that they want on the terms that they wanted.
0: Okay. Yeah, and that and that's a critical one too. We didn't mention before. Timing is a big thing. Um, I uh, The one I bought was from a lady that uh, that couldn't wait. She had already bought a new house and, and there was no way she was going to list her house and close it before this date. And I'm like, okay, well, I can do that. Um, and I think I... Probably got it for about one hundred and ten thousand under what it was worth at the time, so it's uh, it's crazy what you can do if if you're willing to accommodate the seller's needs. So that's great that you shared that.
1: Keeping the time, energy, and money in perspective. Sometimes you have a lot of it. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you don't. Yeah, depending on what stage of life you're at or what you have going on, time may be the biggest driver.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So what are you working on now? You uh, you mentioned to me that you have something coming down the pipeline. So, uh, give us your plug here.
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm currently working on building out a couple new um, divisions of the company. Um, So we we have done a lot of flips in the past, and um, they haven't always gone that well. And be very frank, like we've done about twenty or twenty five. And uh, we're not, there's no one on our team currently that's very good at managing flips. And we quickly realized that we took losses on a few of them. So uh, we're actually bringing in an in-house project manager and someone that's going to be able to kind of run that division um, to be able to sort of scale and and hopefully do more uh, with someone that can um, negotiate with contractors, check in on properties, be on site a little bit more, make sure that those projects are running smoothly. So yeah, that'll be coming next year. I think we have someone uh, pretty good and qualified lined up for that. And then um, yeah, we're also going to be starting a new um, uh, a new service for real estate investors to help them um, review review their deals. So um, that's going to be coming uh, in 2021. We don't have the back end stuff built out quite yet. I'm not sure when this podcast will air. Um, but you know, if you're interested in learning more, I would probably just say to email me and, and I can kind of fill you in on details mm-hmm. just because we don't have a lot of that backend stuff done yet, but it is coming. So, um, yeah, if they want to email me, it's just Ryan at DCI properties.ca.
0: Ryan at DCI Okay. Um, yeah. And any other since we're on this topic, any other links you want me to share, or your social profile? Like, where's the best place for people to follow you if they just kind of want to see what you're up to?
1: Yeah, it's funny. I, I'm I'm going to be working as part of one of my things to get more content out and be more active on some of these social media things because I'm not very good on it right now. Facebook, honestly, is probably the best place to uh, to connect or follow right now. That's really all I'm active on. Uh, but if you do want to join our buyers list, I would suggest emailing Jason, J-A-S-O-N at dciproperties.ca and he'll make sure that you get set up and added there if you are looking for off-market properties in Southwest Ontario or now in Calgary. Nice.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I'll include those in the show notes so that, cool. that everyone has, has access to them. Just to clarify though, do you do an, uh, just like East of, of London or do you stop at the eastern Eastern border of London? Like are you in woodstock as well are you are you doing yep. deals down there? Where does your your territory sort of stop?
1: uh kind of on the Guelph k w c Brantford border okay, so you go that far east and then the rest is all west. Are you down to like Windsor as well? Yep, yeah, we've okay. actually had people on our bars as' see we've been pretty active in Windsor, Sarnia, Chatham, so yeah, pretty well over okay. southwest Ontario yeah
0: um up north, like Grand Bend to ever get stuff up there
1: occasionally it's fewer and far between and you know people looking for cottages especially now with with covid is a little bit more rare so um we have we have come across leads there but it's not it's not as frequent
0: okay yeah, that's good to know. I just want to give some clarification for people if they're they're looking. Like I found yeah. your your listings have been pretty cool. Like I've, I've saw a lot a lot of decent looking deals. It was just maybe not exactly what I was looking for, but I do think that there's a lot of great deals that come out through that list. So definitely, people should get on that. For um, sure. I'm on a lot of wholesalers' lists, and I don't even know how I got there. But I, <laughs> I think that's by design. Um, but uh, hey, I don't blame them. If you if you know people who are in the market, send them. That's email. right.
1: No, feel free. Yeah, add them up. No, we um we try and do a good job making it making it fair and, and encouraging um you know our our um our buyers to come out and and check out properties. And you know if it's your if your if it if it is your first time, my focus and emphasis when you are working with wholesalers would be to secure your financing first and come from a position of power and, mm-hmm. and strength and knowing that you have you know potentially a private lender or a line of credit or some other type of financing secured because it is very, very challenging to get wholesale deals uh, through a traditional bank. So if if you're working on your first deal, that would be my my first point of contact, maybe even before joining our buyers list, would be to make sure you have some financing in place to be able to mm-hmm. purchase these off-market deals.
0: That's a great point. And for me personally, I mean, I can't see a reason why it would be hard to buy one if it was in great condition, but if it's really dumpy, the kitchen's ripped apart or something like that, I could certainly see why the bank would say, no, we're not going to do that. Um, so that's, that's a great point. So this is where private financing can come in handy. Uh, anybody thinking about buying on a wholesaler's list, like that's, that should be in your toolkit, in my opinion, because if you find the right deal, you don't want to not be able to buy it because you don't have the financing. And then, like you said, a home equity line of credit, super useful, especially if you got three or $400,000 of available credit there. You can just, you know, Absolutely. no approval needed. It's It's there and ready to go. Of course, I like to reserve that money for renovations. I would rather get a private first mortgage and use that money for renovations if I were going to
1: do it. Um, I think that's the best way to go. And even if you're burring, I often suggest to people to go private and then go back to the bank later. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, yeah, as much the bank will tell you that they'll do the purchase and then they'll do the refi later. It'll never come in as high as if you take it to them nicely finished and done and and, um, all put together for the first time. So I always recommend going private and then coming back to the bank later. And again, it allows you to operate for more of a position of strength you don't need additional appraisals you don't potentially need additional walkthroughs mm-hmm. um, and you know some of that stuff can be disruptive when you're trying to you know work on a private deal and trying to cause less stress for the seller or for the wholesaler you're working with so knowing that that financing is in place and you can um, you can come in confidently is, is huge
0: yeah, I, I have to agree. Uh, I would say the big reason I would go private coming in is just because I don't like working with the bank. I find them to be a whole <laughs> big too. pain in the butt. Like they're just such a pain in the butt. Where I know if if I have like a handful of people who work with me, like just private money, they just promise or don't kind of money. Uh, and then I've got people uh, who will lend me private mortgages as well. I know I can be a lot more flexible if I'm doing For that. Sure. Um, and then, yeah, like once I have the property, I've got it rented, I've got cash flow coming in, I can go back to the bank and I can refinance that. And even if it takes a couple of months, I'm not sweating. But exactly. you know, that's that's the big difference. I think a lot of people coming into this like, oh, how do I get the best rate? how do I do all this? I'm like, I can actually tell when people ask me those questions, where they're at as an investor. I'm like, oh, you <laughs> haven't been doing this long. Have
1: you, <laughs> you're
0: asking me about rate and not about how do I get approved? So you haven't been That's doing right. this that long. Yeah. No, <laughs> I agree. Funny. Not to diminish like I, everyone you're at where you're at. And it's fair <laughs> to ask those questions. You're going to, you'll kind of just seek for, to me. Like I just, you, you asked like, what are my drainers dealing with banks is kind of like a drainer for me. I don't, which, which is why I'm not in the mortgage brokering business anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> doesn't exactly fit.
1: Yeah, That's a good realization. That's yeah, good. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Anyways, um, before we go, any final words of wisdom for investors that are, you know, kind of wanting to grow, whether they're growing their business or they're growing their investment portfolio, um, any parting words of wisdom here?
1: Just take time to figure out what it is you want. Don't rush in. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's a marathon. It's not a race and, um, get clear on your goals and, um, and what it is you're good at and, and what your skill sets are. And um, remember that, you know, as much as real estate is an investment, your own brain and your knowledge is an investment and the people that could potentially help you grow are an investment as well. So you now we always want to focus on the best deal and the best property. And I'm starting to realize that some of my best deals are coming from hiring the best people.
0: That's a great point. Yeah, that's really, really valuable. I think your net, you hear it, right? It's cliche, network is net worth. Mm -hmm. Um, it is true and a lot of people don't want to uh don't want to admit that maybe but uh i i certainly think it is which is why a big part of why i created this podcast to just create that network to create the connections because you never know down the road who you might encounter
1: that that uh you know, it's a win-win scenario kind of thing. So, yeah, and I think you're doing a really good job of that because the people that I talk to often bring up your name in this podcast as a really good resource of content. Um, so, I think you're doing a great job in providing a really good service and impacting a lot of people. At least that I know um, in the industry um, who who often mention you and reference you.
0: Thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. So uh thanks so much for coming on. I, I know we, yeah. we we've been trying to arrange this for a while. So uh, <laughs> it was good it was good to make that happen. And um yeah, i look forward to staying in touch with you. And if you've got a, a special deal that you need somebody to close on real quick, and <laughs> it's a my guy? if it's just yeah, <laughs> if it's just the crappiest house you've got, get it for a real deal. I'm in. I love it. Um yeah, yeah. I don't even mind like if I gotta rip it down, I don't even mind that. So um cool. keep keep me in mind. Um. Anywho, Ryan, really appreciate it. Nice to finally meet you and uh, yeah, you you know, we'll, we'll talk
1: soon. Okay, thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. Thanks, I'll see you on the next one. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a moment and give a shout out to a couple of very important local businesses to me As you know, this lockdown has been tough on everyone and small businesses have been taking the brunt of it So there's two specific businesses. I wanted to give a shout out to this is a completely unpaid promotion They didn't ask me to do this But I wanted to give them a shout out because I think they're really important and I want to see them be successful uh, so one is New York, New York Men's Grooming Lounge here in Burlington, Ontario. I always see Sergio every month. Uh, they do a fantastic job. Their atmosphere there is fantastic. There's usually some Frank Sinatra playing in the background. Um, they're a great establishment even if you just want to go in and have an espresso or have a beer and chat. It really is a lounge and social uh, location which is just such a unique concept in today's market. Really like those guys. I really want to see them succeed. If you're looking for a fantastic men's haircut and grooming experience, I highly recommend them. The next one I wanted to give a shout out to is Dr. Mike White over at the Momentum Health Clinic in Hamilton. Dr. Mike has been able to help me many times over the years when I've hurt my back. He's a chiropractor, uh, so I'd be in a position where I couldn't even walk. I couldn't turn. Uh, I was in an agonizing pain, and I'd go to Dr. Mike, and usually I'm 100% better within a week. Now, I know it's a touchy thing with a medical service, so always, always, always consult with your medical professional before seeking any form of treatment. I just wanted to let you know my experience here, and I certainly think Mike White is worth considering considering. considering. I've included the details for both of these contacts in my show notes. Please show them support if you see fit. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.